For to us a child is born. A child is born. To us a son is given. Then the government will be on the his government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor. Counselor, Mighty God. Mighty God. Everlasting Father. Everlasting Father. Prince of Peace. The Prince of Peace. Hey, how are you guys doing? You doing good this weekend? Good, good. Hey, my name is Sean Wood, and I want to say I'm one of the teaching pastors here, and it is an honor to be with all of you at each of our campuses, or if you're joining us on a podcast or streaming on the internet, or even at our internet campus. It's great to see each and every one of you, and I am excited because I get to kick off a brand new series this weekend, and it is about Christmas. And I love Christmas. In fact, our family loves Christmas. The day after Thanksgiving, we got all the boxes down and got the uh, Handel's New Young Messiah CD out that I require that we play every single year during Christmas time. We got everything off of the shelves and got all the ornaments out and the tree out. And, and was, we were ready to put up the Christmas tree because we put it up the day after Thanksgiving. We don't do like some of you who are a little bit crazy and put it up before Thanksgiving, but we do put it up right after Thanksgiving. And this year, um, Isabel, our little girl, is going to turn three years old in December. And so we are just so excited because finally, I mean, we can really talk to her a lot about Christmas and we think she's going to really get excited this year about Christmas and putting up the tree and all of that stuff. So all day long, the day after Thanksgiving, we have uh, been prepping her for it, you know, just kind of getting her, getting her ready in the morning saying, all right, today we're going to put up the Christmas tree. We're going to put up the ornaments. We're going to decorate. It's going to be so much fun. Um, about the third time I told her that we were just kind of heading downstairs and I pulled some of the boxes out. She, she put her little hand over her eyes like this. And this is what Isabel does when she gets a little bit afraid. She's got the see no evil approach to fear. If she can't see it, then it is not, she's not afraid of it. So she put her little hand over her eyes like this and she said, Daddy, I don't like Christmas. Now that is not what I expected in a response, like a yay Christmas or even a little carnal, where's the presents? I mean, you know, I'm expecting some kind of response like that. But she put her little hand over, she said, I don't like Christmas. And so I kneeled down to her and said, Isabel, what do you mean you don't like Christmas? I'm getting a little agitated here. I mean, this is not allowed in our home, you know. So I'm like, hey, what do you mean you don't like Christmas? Uh, Let's talk about this a little bit. And she says, he has, he has, wears big clothes and a big hat. And I said, oh, okay. Now see, now I got it. Okay. Now I have to tell you, we don't really talk a whole lot about Santa Claus in our house. It's not that we don't like him or anything like that. We just haven't talked very much about him. We kind of concentrate on the biblical part of Christmas. And another little thing I have to tell you is that Isabel is uh, deathly afraid of anything in a costume. So merging the Santa Claus that she's somehow seen outside of her parents telling her about it and her deathly fear of things in a costume have come together. And I get it. She's afraid of Christmas. So I'm like, okay, baby, this is the deal. We love Christmas because Christmas is Jesus' birthday. And and we love Jesus, and so we love Christmas. A little three-year-old theology here is going to happen. And uh, so she's listening to me and everything, and I'm explaining Santa Claus is, you know, he's a guy, but this is Christmas. And she drops her hands, and she gives me this little exasperated look, and she says, Daddy, I love Jesus. I just don't like Christmas. (laughs) How many of you feel like that sometimes? I mean... Between all of the hustle and bustle and the, all the presents and all the stuff that gets hung up all over the place too early and Christmas music on and everything going on, and, and it just seems like Christmas can wear you out sometimes. I mean, it begins to, seems like it beats you down. And, and what it really boils down to is it's, it begins to be a lot 
about our wants. And we start to see that it's more about wants than it is sometimes about Jesus. And so it kind of does wear us down, just like it seems to be wearing Isabel down. And in fact, it's so much about wants. In 1944, as a public school teacher, he's a music teacher, who had all of his younger elementary students that were in his class. And he asked them kind of the question that we love to ask kids, because they say crazy things when you ask them questions. And so he gathered them all in and he said, hey, I want to ask you, what do you want for Christmas. And all these little kids came in in his music class and they were telling him what they wanted for Christmas. And he noticed a, uh, a characteristic that all of them seemed to have. They were missing at least one, some of them even two teeth. And as they would answer his questions, they, they would do it with a lisp. And he thought that was really cute. And so immediately in his mind, he, he thought of this child singing a song with a lisp. And you may know the song that he wrote 30 minutes after he did this little interview, he wrote this song called All I Want for Christmas. In fact, why don't we, why don't we try this? Why don't we sing it together? All I want for Christmas is my two front teeth. And Columbia too. My two front teeth. My two front teeth. You may have missed this line. Gee, if I could only get my two front teeth, then I could wish you a Merry Christmas. You guys have sung that song before. Some of you better than you did tonight, but you've sung that song. You've sung that song before. Have you noticed that it seems like the older we get, And after we get those two front teeth, that our wants get a little more complicated, that our wants become to be a little bit uh, like we can't satisfy them as quickly as just kind of getting teeth in a couple months after we lose them. It seems like that's what happens around Christmas time is those wants start to get complicated. It also seems that around the holidays, everything is just way out of proportion. In fact, the holidays seem to magnify well, everything it makes the good things seem bigger and better and the bad things seem larger and worse. In fact, during this holiday season, you may feel like there's a magnifying glass that's been taken to the hurt in your life. You've been depressed, but now it seems like it's growing heavier and heavier and all you really want for Christmas is to be happy. Or maybe the anxiety and the fear just seems to explode it in your life during this season and all you really want is to feel safe. For others, you lay awake at night thinking of that list of presents that keeps growing and growing and all you really want is to find contentment because you know you can't afford any of it. And then there are others of you that are lonely all year long, but during this season it just seems to be even lonelier. And all you really want for Christmas is to have someone to hold you and talk to you again. You know, Isaiah 9-6 gave us God's Christmas list And all we really need is His presence in our life because He is magnified and He is larger than life. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon His shoulder, and His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Included on this first Christmas list that the prophet Isaiah gives us is a glimpse of what Jesus Christ can mean to us during the Christmas season. In fact, over the whole of this series, we're going to take a look at each one of these names that 2,700 years before the birth of Jesus, God chose to show us through names the characteristics that he would have when he comes to, to, to save us, when he came to earth. And these names are, are the true, the triune God, and they're, they're manifest in Jesus Christ, this gift that we get and that has come to us at Christmas time. And a lot of things that 
that we want and that are on our Christmas list, maybe even this year, are not that important. But names are very, very important. I mean, these names on this list can change our entire life. In fact, how many of you are maybe expecting a child? You're expecting a child during this season. And all of our campuses, the people, campus pastors are looking around and seeing the New Year's gift that we're going to get in our nursery. And uh, my wife and I, Connie, are expecting a child. Our second child, and uh, we're going to uh, be expecting a little boy. We found that a couple of months ago, and it's going to be a little boy. And so we got to that point where you have to pick the name. How many of you know that is a difficult thing? I mean, because this is a name that you're giving someone for the rest of their life. I mean, when you pick a name, it's very, very important. And in fact, I mean, you got to make sure that the initials don't spell anything that, you know, is inappropriate. I mean, you guys have done that. You got to make sure it's not a name that a third grade bully could easily pick up on and kind of add a little rhyme to it. And some of you have a testimony that you could add about that because you had a name like that. And in fact, in our home, when we had Isabel, we found out she was going to be a little girl. Um, we knew right away that Holly is out of the question. Hollywood. OK, it's not going to work. For a name. In fact, I read about a, uh, a, a family that had the last name of Man, and uh, they named their little girl Anita. Some of you will get that on the way home in the car, and we, we just won't go any further. You know, we're only on our second child, and, and naming is it's a lot of pressure. As I think about these names that God had to give us in this list, I mean, there's a, there's a couple in family life that's got five children. I wonder if when you get to five, if you just open the encyclopedia, kind of do the circle and point and go, boom, there it is, Ebenezer, who knew? We didn't mean to pick that one, but that's where we flipped in the deal. But names are significant, and God chose to give us these names of Jesus and what he was going to mean to us And we can study them and we can learn what it is that this gift of Jesus at Christmas really is. And in doing that, what's cool is we can see what we really need for Christmas. Because when God showed us these characteristics, he was showing us all that we need for Christmas. The first name on the list that we're going to get a chance to look at this weekend is the Wonderful Counselor. The Hebrew here is Pele Yatz. And Pele means too wonderful for words. And yachts means to advise or to counsel, to guide is actually what it means. And so what you've got here is Isaiah showing us that what we need is a wonderful, too wonderful for words guide. Not just a normal guide or just any guide, not just any counselor, but a wonderful counselor. Now, some of you may say, well, I mean, why do I need a guide? Why do I need a counselor in my life? I don't, I don't understand why I would need someone to kind of walk ahead of me and show me the way. Well, we need a guide when we're facing tough economic situation. We need someone who can help us with our budgeting and our savings and, and investing and kind of teach us what to do. Maybe someone who's just ahead of us or within the scripture to show us what a biblical uh, budget would look like and what biblical finances looks like. During these times that we talked about a little bit earlier where it seems like the holidays are just putting a magnifying glass to your feelings. When it gets really hard, I mean, our feelings begin to say things to us that aren't true in our life. We need a guide who can point out to us the truth, who can show us what the real deal is in our lives and the blessings that we have, but also can walk us through processing our feelings. In fact, during these holidays, you may be sitting right now And as you walked in this weekend, the thought that may be running through your mind is, this is my first Christmas since. And only you can fill in the blank. 
But that's what's heavy on your heart right now is, is you think, you know what, this will be the first Christmas since. And as those feelings begin to kind of bubble up inside of you and the magnifying glass of the holidays point down onto them, we need a guide. We need a counselor, a wonderful counselor. We need a guide when we're asking questions like this. I just jotted down a few uh, other ways that maybe we might need a guide is, what am I doing for my career? I mean, what am I going to do for the rest of my life and my work? How, how do I meet the right person? I mean, I've come to another Christmas and there's no one to share it with. And how do I know if they're the right person? Some of you are saying, in 19 days, I have to be with my family again. And I just spent Thanksgiving with them. I need a guide who can help me keep my, my sanity. That's what I need uh, during this season. And then some of you on a serious note are saying, how do I balance divorced parents with the whole family and the holidays thing? I mean, do I go to my dad's? Do I go to my mom's? Do I go to both? Do I get to eat two meals? I mean, this is becoming a weight problem for me because I have to go back and forth and, and I have to eat the same amount because they call each other and figure out who ate at, at each house. And I have to watch what presents they give me. And you're trying to balance all of that. And it's just beginning to wear you down. And then on the other end, some of you are parents who have been through divorce and you're trying to balance the young children. And does she get to spend Christmas morning with dad or is it Christmas morning with mom? And do you need a guide, someone who can walk you through and advise you and give you counsel? I know as a parent, I mean, I'm just trying to figure things out. Connie and I, we were, we were just walking through this whole thing with a, with an almost three year old and another, a little boy on the way. And, you know, everyone has blessed us by telling us that our sweet little girl is going to be so much different than this little boy that's about to come. And, and so, I mean, we're just trying to figure it out. And we need parents who are just ahead of us on the journey, who, who can kind of have a flashlight on, on the road and they can go, Hey, watch out for this little bump in the road. You're going to experience this at about three years old. And then, Hey, over here at about 10, you're going to you're going to go there and just wait till she turns 13. I mean, you just don't know. That's not a bump in the road. That's kind of like a couple trees fell over the path. But I'm going to help you get over that. And so you need someone who can can do that in your parenting. In fact, I don't know about you guys, but I need a guide who can go to the mall with me and help me figure out what to buy my wife for Christmas. And if any of you would like to volunteer to do that, I will take a shopping guide. And you can come and help me do that because I don't know what to get her. But so anyway, where where do you need wisdom, counsel or a guide right now in your life? Maybe it's the place that you filled in the blank with. As we were talking earlier, maybe as you were listening to about the part of magnifying in your life, you were going, yeah, this is pretty magnified in my life. Maybe you just got out of the car coming into church and had an argument with your teenage son and you're going, Man, I need a guide. I need a counsel, someone to give me some guidance in my life. But here's a question I have for us this weekend. Where are you getting your counsel from? I mean, where are you looking to get the counsel and the guidance in your life to make sure that you walk this path successfully? Because you see, I have an intuition as I look at our culture and I look at our world and, and all the things and the noise and the buzz around us and all the input of advice that's coming through. I think we have plenty of not so wonderful counsel. My kid wants a wee for Christmas, but I just can't afford it this year. Do you love your son? Well, of course I do. Are you sure he knows it? 
Are you suggesting? I'm just saying, I think you could do a wee bit more. The holidays bring a lot of stress for us. It's all the family. I mean, I just can't even stand being around them. Let me guess, mother-in-law? Yeah. Boundaries are important. Have you considered not inviting her? My credit card debt is through the roof, but we don't know how to get out. Yeah, about that. Did you bring cash for today's session? I feel like my husband doesn't take me seriously. Really? Why is that? He constantly mocks me by repeating everything I say. Why can't you make me make me everything I say? Hey! Hey! So if I don't take this job, I'm going to lose my house. And my life is pretty much going to be over. I got nothing. But she's my mom. I have to invite her for Christmas. What matters here is that you're happy. Keep that at the forefront of your minds and don't ruin Christmas with family. I just hate visiting my family. I feel so patronized. Oh, I hate that too. Oh, it's okay. Who's got a cute little button nose? You do! You do! My marriage is struggling. Oh, take it from me. As a woman on her third... fourth marriage, it'll all work out. I'm so afraid of being alone. It's all I, it's all I can think about. I'm, I'm afraid that I'm gonna be alone all through Christmas and then. Bro, oh. <laughs> excuse me, I really need to take this. Hello? Oh, Brandon, hi. Yes. Oh, I have all the time in the world. Uh huh. <laughs> so I guess I should buy my son the Wii. I think we've made the right decision. The sad part is that some of you are probably in that very advice stream right now in your life, and you're going, that seems too relevant to what's going on. You know, we've got plenty of places to get not-so-wonderful advice. I mean, we can find that pretty easily. But I think as we look this weekend, what we see Isaiah telling us is that there is a wonderful counselor, a counselor who can give us the advice that not only is the truth, but that can take us to a place on the journey of life that can revolutionize who we are. I mean, we can stand by the counsel that he gives us. And see, I think this is a deal, is we teach a lot here at Seacoast that you need to get someone uh, who is ahead of you on the road, and we're going to talk a little bit about that this weekend, that you need somebody in your life that can counsel you. You need someone who can, can just say, hey, I've been there before, and I'm going to help you walk through this. And that is a very important thing. But the first step is to realize the sufficiency of Christ and the sufficiency of Scripture to give us counsel in our lives. That everything that we need will be held within the content of Jesus. That He can speak into our lives in a way that no one else can. I see, I think a lot of times for me, I know as I was just preparing this week, I thought about it and thought, my first jump is to who can I get advice from? What book can I read? Who can tell me somewhere where they've been? And I don't go to the wonderful counselor that is Jesus. And I think that this weekend we'll see that what Isaiah was saying is we have all that we need through Jesus. And sometimes he will use people, but sometimes he will speak to us in different ways as well. But what makes a wonderful guide and what makes Jesus so wonderful? Well, first thing that we see about what makes Jesus a wonderful counselor is, is that he knows you. He knows you. So for Hebrews 4.15 tells it to us like this. It says, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tested in every way as we are, yet without sin. 
Seems very, very easy. And most of us would say, I know that. I know he knows me. I'm in a relationship with him. If you are a Christ follower and you say, I realize that, Sean, I've heard that before. And what we're going to look at is three little simple things that I don't think anyone's going to go, oh, I never knew that about Jesus. But I love what C.S. Lewis said. He said, I find that I am in need of reminders more than instruction. I think this will just remind us a little bit about what Jesus can mean to us. And the first thing is, is that he knows us. When you truly know someone, uh, you have the ability to sympathize with them, to look deep inside of their heart, to look into their eyes and kind of see, you know, what it is that they're feeling and what they're, what, what's going on inside their life. And when Jesus is able to do that and to give us that counsel, that's what makes it so wonderful. And maybe you realize that when someone tries to give you advice and they don't really know you, they don't really know who you are, things can kind of get weird when they try to take like a picture of your life and examine it and say, hey, here's what you need to do. And you're going, dude, you don't know me. You don't know who I am. Had a situation a little, little bit like that just a few months ago. Um, here in Mount Pleasant, we have what's called the Strawberry Festival. And uh, my wife and I took Isabel and we went with our neighbors and some other friends to the Strawberry Festival. What the Strawberry Festival is, is this kind of big carnival and fair. It's got a Ferris wheel and a carousel and a big strawberry ride. And it's right in front of these strawberry patches so you can pick strawberries. And it's just a, a great day. And it's wonderful for like a two and three and four year old. I mean, they love it. And so we went to the Strawberry Festival and we're just having a blast. We got over to the, the Ferris wheel. And on the Ferris wheel, they had these big buckets, but they were just big enough to hold, you know, three people at the most. And so um, what we decided is, is that each of the families, my, my family and the neighbor's family and then our friend's family would just go in a different bucket. And then my job was that I was given the camera and told, get really good pictures of the kids because we'll want to see this forever, you know, the Strawberry Festival deal. So I said, all right, I can do this. I can, I can take the pictures. So the first bucket comes up and it's, it's our neighbors. And so I get in and I'm kind of... I adjust the camera, I get my zoom going, and boom, boom, I take a couple pictures and I can see them on the digital camera and I'm like, cool, got good pictures, I did my job. Second bucket comes, it's our, our friends. So I get in closer to them, now I'm starting to work it, you know, a little bit. I'm getting in close, I'm down on a knee, I'm taking some angle pictures, I've got boom, 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 look at it, got great pictures. Then Isabel and Connie come up on the bucket. Now I'm, I'm getting the, really getting the knack of it, so I know I can get some cool pictures and I'm snapping real quick because this is my family, I gotta do more for them. So I'm getting good pictures and I'm down there and then the fourth bucket comes up and the fourth bucket comes up and I go down and I'm right in front of them and I'm taking pictures and I'm snapping it and I'm zooming and then I realize I have no idea who this is that I'm taking a picture of. The best part was getting home and seeing the pictures. My wife and I pulled them up and this lady looked like, what in the... I mean, look, the word security was getting ready to come out of her mouth because some strange dude was snapping pictures of her and her two daughters sitting right beside her. When you don't know someone and you get up into their personal space, would you agree things can get a little weird? You know, that's, and that's how it was for that woman that day. And what we can say about Jesus is he knows you. He understands what you're going through. Hebrews tells us that he gets it and he gets you. He understands it. He can relate to you. The latest talk show guru doesn't know you. The latest author of the self-help book, although they may have some great stuff in them, they don't know you. They don't know your problems and what you're going through, and they haven't walked there as well. And because of this knowledge that we have of that, because of the fact that he knows us so well, Hebrews chapter 4 also tells us that we should approach the throne of grace with boldness, 
so that we, we may receive mercy and find grace to help us at the proper time. See, what Hebrews tells us is he knows you. He knows everything about you. And because of that, you can go to him and he has got grace and mercy to offer. Not condemnation of words and not any advice that you can't trust. But Jesus is there and he's on the trail with you and he understands you. Jesus is also the wonderful counselor because he cares about you. First Peter 5, 7, I love it. It says, God cares for you, so turn all your worries over to him. See, as the anxiety begins to build up in this holiday season, we have a lot of worries. What we know and what we need to be reminded of is that he cares for us. He really does. And see, we need to know that our counselor knows us. That's important. But how many of you have ever gotten counsel from someone who knows you, but you just got the intuition that they don't care? See, what we know with Jesus is he truly cares. And he showed us that when he was willing to climb up on a cross and was willing to die for us and show us this love that he had for us that was unbelievable. And he showed us that he cared for us. When you get advice from someone that you know knows you and you know cares for you, it's advice that you can trust. I mean, you know you can stand behind it. You know that you don't have to doubt their motives or why they're giving you the advice. And you know that you can trust every bit of it. It's a cliche. But when you're hurting, you don't care what people know as much as you just want to know that they care. And during this time when maybe you're walking in a hard place in life, you want to find a counselor, a wonderful counselor who knows you and who cares for you. And then the third thing is, is that we find someone who is committed to you see we know that jesus is committed there's a lot of things in this world that show us and a lot of people in this world that show us a lack of commitment but when i start to to kind of waver and wonder can can i trust this counsel that's in the trail guide can i trust this counsel that's come into my life because the wonderful counselor has sent this counsel into my life can i trust it i remember that jesus is fully committed in my mind, I always go back to the fact that Jesus never bailed. He's someone who is committed to you. He cares for you and he knows you. And because of that, he can speak into your life. So after that little reminder, you're going, okay, great. Three things. He knows me, cares for me. He's committed to me. Sean, great. I know, I've known that ever for a long time. But here's my deal. How do I hear from him? I mean, it's the age-old question. How do I know what the counsel is? What is God saying to me? How do I get the most out of my counseling appointment with Jesus, the wonderful counselor? Well, the first way is to be brutally honest with the counselor. There's a story in the New Testament about a woman who had an opportunity to get advice and the guidance from this wonderful counselor. She met up with Jesus at a well. And what we know about this woman is that she was a lot like a lot of us. She had hurts in her life. She had baggage in her life. She had gone through a lot of relational carnage. I mean, she had, had been through man after man looking for love, man after man looking for someone who could fulfill the needs that she had of her heart, and she had not found. She had kind of bailed on marriage, we find out, through the story, and had kind of given up on marriage, and now she was just living with a man, and she had been through a lot of husbands. And she's at the well at a time of day, honestly, when most women wouldn't have gone to the well because probably she was just tired of all the gossip. She was tired of everyone talking about her. And 
It probably seemed like if she went at the times when everybody else went, that the magnifying glass was just on her hurt and her pain in her life. And so she encounters the wonderful counselor. And Jesus, he asked her a question. He said, he said, Jesus told her, he said, go call your husband and come back. And then she says, I have no husband. It's a little bit of the story that can be easy to miss. But I love this part in John. You can read the whole story in John chapter 4. But, but I love this part of the story because she go, he goes to uh, this woman. And he starts asking her some questions and talking to her. And then he says, hey, why don't you go back and get your husband and we'll talk. And here's, she had an opportunity. I mean, the, the counselor was there, the wonderful counselor. She could have made up anything. She could have said, yeah, well, my husband's away on business. So I can't go back and get him or, well, my husband's sick. That's why I'm getting the water or my husband, you know, he, he had to go away just today, but he'll be back tonight. Whatever the case may be, she could have easily lied like many of us do when we're confronted with the wonderful counselor. But instead, she was just brutally honest. She said, I have no husband. And because of this, it opened up an opportunity for Jesus to speak further into her life. It opened up an opportunity for him to be able to to kind of give her the truth that she could have living water forever that could heal all of her pains and all of her worries. I think about some of us, especially during this season as we learn about all we need for Christmas. I think that it's time for some of us just to be brutally honest. Just to be able to, to pour it all out to the wonderful counselor. For some of you, Maybe it's time to admit to Jesus himself that, you know what? I'm just not sure that you're good anymore. I mean, it seems like I've been praying for the same thing over and over again. It seems like I've been asking you to work these situations out in my life. And, and honestly, God, it seems like you don't ever come through for me. You need to be honest and pour it all out because it's only then that Jesus can move forward and be able to counsel you. I think about this woman. If she just shuts it down with a lie, it's over. The counseling appointment ends. Nothing will be done. But instead, she got the truth. See, it's time to be honest. Some may, to be, some may need to be honest about your marriage. Just say, hey, if something doesn't change, we're in big, big trouble. For others of you, it's... To say the words that you've been avoiding saying for a long time. You've heard other people say it. You've heard testimonies about it. It's to say the words, I'm addicted. Maybe you're addicted to alcohol or maybe it's drugs or maybe it's sex. But there's something in your life that you've tried to, to defeat over and over again. And you have made excuses for it time after time. And you're not honest with the wonderful counselor. And so he can't speak into your life because you won't. Be completely honest. It's time to be honest. And for others of you, you say, relationally, I am just completely messed up. I mean, somebody burned me a long time ago, and I have a really hard time being intimate with anyone. And I have relational carnage after one after the other all around me. I've hurt so many people, and others have hurt me, and it's just like a big battlefield relationally. And I messed up, and I need someone to help and it's time to be honest we need to be honest with the pele yachts because he's the wonderful counselor he's wonderful he's too wonderful for words and so he has got everything we need in fact scripture says it like this psalm 55 22 it says cast your cares on the lord and he will sustain you he will never let your the righteous fall it's time to say jesus 
I just need to pour it all, cast it all on you. I need help. I think for some of you this weekend, as you find out that there's a wonderful counselor, this will be the weekend you'll be able to mark on a calendar and go, that was the day I screamed. I need help. And my life was radically changed. Another thing we need to do to take advantage of having the wonderful counselor and having an appointment with him is to listen to the counselor's voice. In Mark 9, 7, it says, A voice came from the cloud, being God, and it said, This is my son whom I love. Listen to him. And then in John 10, 27, it says, My sheep, listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. But then some of you are saying, Okay, listen to Jesus' voice. I know how to listen to someone's voice. I know how to be a better communicator and listener. But how do I hear from God? How does Jesus speak? And there are a lot of ways that Jesus speaks. In fact, we've talked about a lot of them here at Seacoast over and over again. And and you've you've heard a lot of those. But this weekend, there's one that, that I think that we need to listen to even more. And it's what Margaret Feinberg would call the persistent echo. See, I think that that she says it like this. She says, don't listen for the voice of God. Listen for his echo. When God really wants to get your attention, he doesn't just say something once. He echoes. He speaks through a Sunday sermon, a chance conversation with a friend the next day, even a random email. The same theme, idea, impression, or lesson will repeat itself in a surprising and unexpected ways until you realize that maybe, just maybe, God is at work. And is speaking. And sometimes that persistent echo, that thing that just keeps going around in your brain, that it seems like is being spoken to you over and over again, sometimes it's the voice of God. And He's trying to speak to you. You know, a lot of times that can be confirmed through other people. I mean, it's huge that that there's other people that can speak into your lives, whether it's professional Christian counselors, whether it's a friend who's walking alongside of you, or maybe a mentor who's walking just ahead of you with a flashlight like a guide. But these come from God, and He speaks through people, and He speaks through His Word, and He speaks through the Holy Spirit to be that persistent echo in our lives. And here's what we have to do. We have to listen. For that persistent echo. We can't let our lives and our minds be so busy that we block out the voice of God. That we begin to hear, what is it that God is saying to me? And then once we hear what God is saying, the last thing is that we do what the counselor tells you to do. Look at John ten twenty seven again. It says, my sheep listen to my voice. We saw that. I know them. We learned that about Jesus. And in this last part, they follow me. You see, God will open the floodgates of communication to you when you are willing to be brutally honest. He will speak to you if you will listen to Him. But there's one thing that God cannot do for me. There's one thing that God cannot do for you. It's not within His character to make you follow. I heard a counselor who one time said to a married couple who was in their office, and they were really struggling through things, and they were bickering, and they were fighting, and the counselor looked at him and he said, You know what? It seems like I seem to be the only one working on this marriage. And I wonder sometimes in my life, if the persistent echo isn't there, if the people haven't been brought into my life, if all of those communication lines aren't open, and I'm just not doing it. I'm on this constant search for God's will. What do I do? What is God's will in my life? And God is saying, I've told you. You're just not listening to my voice and you're not following me. You see, we can't expect God to be the only one working on our problems. At some point, we have to follow. 
We have to follow the advice of the wonderful counselor. But what if we could all have a counselor who would not just sit behind a closed door and on the other side of a couch with us and be trapped and limited by what we would or would not expose of ourselves, be trapped and limited by, by time? What if we could have a counselor that was with us? In fact, what if we could have a counselor who indwelled us? who every step of our lives was there with us the entire way, who with every decision was there to tell us, you know what, here's what I think maybe you should do. And here's what you should do to to mend this relationship. Here's what you should do to find who you need to marry in life. Here's what you should do about your career. What if every step of the way there was a counselor with you right beside you? Now, some of you are going because you're pragmatists. You're going, man, I know what a counselor charges. I mean, come on, that's 24-7. That's some expensive counseling. Well, here's the good news. All it will cost you is everything. Everything. Because, see, you've got to be willing to expose your heart. You've got to be willing to expose your thoughts. Even the ones that you think that you've hidden, you've got to be brutally honest and say, I give you access to who I am. I give you access to every bit of me because I want your wonderful counsel every step of the way. And what if we all did that? And what if every one of us who would say, I'm a Christ follower, said, you know what? Every step of the way, I'm going to look to the wonderful counselor. Before I look to books, before I look to other people, before I look to anything else, I'm going to go to the wonderful counselor. And I'm going to let him guide me along the path. I have a suspicion. I think if we all did it, we would have all we needed for Christmas. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you sent your wonderful counselor, a mighty God, an everlasting father. And God, in these times, thank you so much that you sent a prince of peace. God, we're blown away by your grace and your mercy and the access to you that you give us, as Hebrews tells us. And Father, we are aware of the sufficiency of Jesus We are aware of the sufficiency of your scripture. And God, this weekend, we call on you, we plead with you, we ask with you to to be our wonderful counselor. God, I know I need you. Father, I need you to speak into my life. I know there are those that are here that would share that same plea. Father, if there are those here that have never become a follower, the first step to be able to hear your voice is to be a follower of yours. I pray for them that over this season that the gift that they would receive that would mean the most to them would be you. And Father, I pray you would bless this time as we respond, as we worship together, that we would worship a Jesus who's here and he's wonderful. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.